Welcome to the Smart Nonsense Podcast, where we talk about entrepreneurship, self-development, and challenging norms. It's episode 40 today. Episode 40. If we were a person, we'd be depressed because this is just that midlife crisis. But for the podcast, no, it's not the midlife. This is the beginning. This is the start. We're getting to episode 40,000 and beyond. So buckle up because today on the pod, we have Jenny Dyer, an awesome hometown friend who is now finding her, her calling in life. And that's an occupational therapy. She's about to get her doctorate in it. We talk about everything she's learning there and we'll explain exactly what that means. But basically, she helps people with breaking bad habits and building good habits. And so if you're into habits at all, listen to this podcast. It's fun. It's awesome. If you're questioning your purpose in life, this podcast is for you. Jenny's awesome. You can find her on Instagram is probably the best way. J-E-N-N-I-E. Slap another E on there. Dyer. J-E-N-N-I-E-E-D-Y-E-R. On Instagram. You can DM her if you're into this stuff. DM me. Or shoot me an email, Dylan at smartnonsense.com if you want to be connected. She's awesome. I'll leave it at that. Jenny Dyer, here we go. Episode number 40. Jenny. Hey. What is up? Hey, how's it going? Oh, fantastic. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you not hear me? No, no, I can't. I'm just turning the volume. Oh, yeah. You are coming through beautifully. (sighs) Nice. Oh, I'm excited. I'm always excited. (laughs) That's good. How's it going? Uh, it's uh, it's funky life right now. Funky it's like a really a fun grind. Okay, nice. But uh, I, I rarely get outside these days. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm excited to not leave the house. It's it's a weird. Well, that's a good thing then, I guess. Yeah. What's up with you? Are you uh, are you leaving the house or no? A little bit. I'm on um a field work rotation right now, so I do leave the house Monday through Friday. Um, but other than that, just kind of like walk around the neighborhood. I try to get out, but not too much. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably do more walking. I've heard these, uh, I've had people suggest going on strolls and just like not Hmm. taking your phone and just walking for like 30 minutes. Got to do it more. You know, I'm, I'm preaching it, but I don't practice it. (laughs) I know. Um, I think like a mindful walk is something that a lot of people would, should do. And I feel like would help a lot of things. I'm going to do it today, Jenny, just oh because my God, of the nice. it's over. Maybe <laughs> turn into the next 60 days of it, too. There you go. Uh, just so you know, mm-hmm. I, I we usually just record from the get-go, and then we'll record some intro after, so it's super okay. chill. And like, yeah, it's fine. It's all just friendly conversation, but we haven't talked. Oh, also, if you ever need to like edit anything, I think I said this, but just like we're not trying to put out any stuff you're not happy with, so gotcha. just let us know. But <laughs> All good. Uh, when was the last time we talked? Was it high okay. school or like some? You want to know what it was? Because I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, when was the last time that I saw Dylan? And it was the one night where it felt like a freaking Narragansett high school reunion at ah. Charlie O's like two years ago. Didn't that shit shut down too? Didn't oh, yeah. Charlie? Done. They're absolutely done. That was the last time. Only time I went there and the last time. Because I think they were so economically gone. like their business model was just wait until all the high schoolers oh, come yeah. back for their <laughs> reunion. Yeah, the night before Thanksgiving. That's it. It was yeah, absurd. they didn't survive. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of weird because I mean now, well, you're you're in Pittsburgh, so mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I'm at least a little bit closer to everyone else, right? <laughs> Still in Narragansett, the hometown, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, do you see a lot of people? Weird. Kind of at the beach, you know the sandbar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 
they'll just stumble across people there. Like it's not really. So here's here's what's interesting, right? We in high school because we were like kind of acquaintances. Yeah. Of like the the kids that tended to try hard in school. Were yeah, in I was gonna say we, we were in all the like upper AP type deal. Not trying to pat ourselves on the back, no. but like it it did. Uh, I guess segregate if you want to use that word, or like separate yeah. into just people that wanted to do things in college and you end up doing like some awesome stuff in college too which we'll get into but uh, all right so yeah (laughs) i've been doing this thing where i i um i have this big sigh i'm really upset with myself as my one little habit and i know we're going to talk about habits but i have no idea how to remove bad habits so maybe you can Mm -hmm. illuminate all of us for that but (laughs) so you go to pittsburgh duquesne which Mm -hmm. i still don't understand is that french how do they yeah it's french it's like a fort around here so it was in some war Mm -hmm. that i probably should know since i've been going there for five years but um yeah some french name some french guy um my grandma still pronounced it duquesne and that's fine but (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's like i don't uh, even know how i found this place but here i am (laughs) quinnipiac i know people would always like Mm -hmm. you know so ryan is probably one of our best mutual friends yeah funny character maybe i'll have him on someday but oh he would love uh, it <laughs> definitely difficult names to pronounce but awesome mm-hmm. school like you you sent me your website jenny dyer.weebly.com i don't know if you want to put it j-e-n-n-i-e-d-y-e-r there it is for the spellers uh <laughs> but i one i love that like having a website where like normally i'm asking like oh hey how can i kind of know what you're doing and stuff mm-hmm. You just shoot off that link and you're like, here you go, Dylan, just explore. Here's the Man, thing. I'm... That was originally for class. And then I've tried to keep up with it since then, just because like on LinkedIn, they give you like a little area where you can put a website or like a profile. So I'm like, okay, that's something that I could do. So mm-hmm. I've been trying to keep up with it. And I mean, it's not perfect, but it's something just so people can kind of interact and see what's going on with me. But that's the thing. It doesn't like one of our big uh, habits issues that we come across is like people want to shoot for perfection mm-hmm. of like or say your website or this podcast if you listen to the beginning it sounds like i'm talking into a toaster it's just terrible <laughs> i keep using that but it sounds terrible but like your website one is already awesome so it's uh, like you just keep stacking on top and getting better and better and it's so cool like you can download any sort of resume or any sort of yeah, like, yeah, certification yeah. documents so one i recommend that but two i saw on there you got summa cum laude Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So you, some people, you know, they they try hard in high school just to get into college, kind of like me, and then they give up in college and just kind of coast and explore. But you've been crushing it ever since. <laughs> well, thanks. Like, yeah, I know. I feel like that, like throughout school, not just high school, it was just always instilled in me, like you got to do your best, which I was trying to do all through high school, and I think it showed a little bit in high school. But even in college, I was like, okay, like I'm. A perfectionist in my academics and I make sure that everything is like the best I can make it be so I think that that's how I came up with summa cum laude and got to graduate with those honors which was super cool but um yeah it's definitely something I'm proud of and obviously something that I put out on my website but yeah so you identify as a perfectionist oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah, Does that's that... why I'm still in school right now. <laughs> and I'm still trying to be in this academic world and figure out how I can keep exceeding and doing more than just some of my peers or some other people that I know. But keep it. And I don't know if that's a I good know. thing or not. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got its perks. 
I know I've struggled a lot. Like I, I tried to start like the blog, the writing side. And it's funny mm-hmm. because I was giving Will, which that's how this whole connection happened. And we can yep. get into that later. But Will's working on writing and I'm kind of mm-hmm. giving him some suggestions. But I've failed at my own writing habits. So I'm like, well, you know, take this with a uh, grain of salt or is that the, that always yeah, sounds that's a phrase. Yeah, yeah. Take it with, what does that even mean? Like, a, I don't know. I feel, well, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like it's just like, just a little bit. Don't, don't take it take with it. much. I don't mm, know. I got to research that after <laughs> on my walk. Actually, no, no phones allowed. No, no phones, no phones. Mm. Maybe after the walk, that'll be a reward. I'll just get super aristotle and just oh, yes. kind of contemplate things and maybe I'll come to the right conclusion but mm-hmm. yeah uh, that. i've failed with writing it's pretty hard mostly because i wanted to put out the perfect content because mm-hmm. it it's like etched in stone oh this right. is dylan's blog post on how to find your purpose and i wanted it to be great and it is it's like it's great but mm-hmm. the reason why i think podcasts and say like working out which is one habit i'm into is it's like i just give myself a lot of room to to not be perfect to put it out at 80 percent yeah i think that's important too i feel like a lot of times i like set myself up to these expectations and then once i'm in the thick of it whether it's like an assignment or just something like trying to walk every day like if i don't do it i'm like oh shoot like i'm failing but Mm -hmm. it's i shouldn't think like that like it's not something that should be like this high expectation of myself like as long as i'm doing something that's meaningful i feel like that's what's important so i think like holding yourself to that standard is tough not to do it's it's so tough. The only way I've found to circumvent perfectionism mm-hmm. is to combine it with procrastination. Mm. We're like, if if this is the deadline, I'm like, all right, if say it's two weeks away, I could work on it every single day for two weeks and just make it what I think is perfect. Uh, but if I just go and like play outside for a week and six days and then the last day, I just put all my perfectionism into that one day and it's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't give me time to keep iterating and trying to make it perfect. Yeah, keep trying to like nitpick all of it to make it like your version of perfect. Yeah, it's. I guess it, it the balance worked. It's probably not mm-hmm. the healthiest thing, healthiest <laughs> thing. But all right, but, so you you find occupational therapy, which one I'm going to try and explain in the intro later. But I need from I hate from the horse's mouth. That's a weird statement too. From from you, like what is occupational therapy? Okay, I want to hear what you think it is first. Because a lot of okay. people don't know what it is. And like even people that I've known forever probably can't explain it. Here's what throws me off. Is I feel like it occupation means more like how you occupy your time versus your job. Good job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. perfect. So it's like, how are you occupying your time? And I'm thinking it's normally not the best habits or habits at all. It's kind of, mm-hmm. you're not making use of your time. And so you're trying to instill these good habits to occupy their time in the best way. But maybe yeah. I'm completely out. I, no, I don't no, know. that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, a lot of people think occupational therapy is like job coaching or like trying to help people find occupations because we think of occupations as your job. And I mean, that mm-hmm. does occupy a lot of people's time. It's nine to five, 40 hours a week, whatever. But there are so many other things that occupy our time that we don't think about as an occupation. So occupational therapy basically helps people either get back to doing or start doing what's meaningful to them. So whether so we work in a bunch of different settings. There's like school based. You can work in a hospital. Right now I'm in a community uh, mental health setting. So there's so many different options for how you can figure out how people occupy their time and what is most meaningful to them. So you're basically giving them strategies and whether it's adaptive equipment or just 
like coping skills or mindfulness tools or anything that helps them really figure out what's meaningful to them, gives them purpose, and then helping them to do that every day. So are there two sides of it? Like one is preventative and one is, I guess, I don't know if therapy is like after the fact, but like with schools, would it be most so or are there two sides first is my question. Like, is there? I guess it's just like, it's kind of like a continuum. So, I mean, you could work with an infant who has delayed fine motor skills and you're trying to help them build the fine motor skills because that's what's going to help them succeed in school. Or it could be like an older adult who falls and they broke their hip and you're trying to restore that function that they once had. So it really is just like, I guess there are two sides, but it's really more of a continuum because someone could be in the middle of their life and they slip up with an addiction or something, a mental illness or something like that. And you're just trying to help them figure out how to either get back to what they were doing before, before this kind of took over their life or figuring out how to move forward with what's going on. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe (laughs) I feel like a lot of people it's, it's underused then as in Mm -hmm. so many people, that's kind of what the, the purpose of this podcast is, is like just help people explore maybe vicariously, like all the other opportunities out there yeah. to, to find meaning in what they're doing. And when I love this, I want to read it verbatim off your, your site. But you have oh just the, no, it's, not like, <laughs> it's, it's a quote, so it's not even from you. You just, you have it there. You were made for the place where your real passion meets compassion because there lies your real purpose. So you're, you've always been kind of purpose, like, I don't know, you're on the deeper side of things than most people. I are. try to be. What one, where does that come from? Like, why do you contemplate this more than others? I think that growing up a lot of like, I know we grew up in a really small town where there was a lot of like, I don't want to say closed minded people, but it wasn't what the world is like on the outside. I'd say like, I think that especially coming to Pittsburgh, like seeing this other side of what's out there and what people experience and how people go through their daily life has really helped me kind of define myself and then also what occupational therapy is and how it helps people. But I feel like growing up, I always was instilled with like, okay, whatever you want to do, whether you fail or succeed, like you got to do it like wholeheartedly. You have to make sure that you're putting yourself in it. And I feel like that's where passion with what you're wanting to do meets compassion, which I think that I hope that I'm a compassionate person, but someone that cares for other people and really putting those two things together is what occupational therapy means to me and how I kind of found that, which is super cool. Cause it, it's something that not a lot of people find every day where you find something that like meets both of your kind of sides to yourself and you're able to do it every day. I feel like actually I've kind of seen a, a couple different perspectives on this, but usually people that go into any sort of medical or I guess medical field yeah. is they're doing it because of their love of people. And like, you're one of the mm-hmm. nicest people from our high school, like objectively, like if you were to name five people, you'd be probably top two. Uh, I don't know who the second person would be. We'll think about but it. But it, it's awesome. One that your parents were, were kind of supporting this mm-hmm. from day one. And few people have that. Maybe they'll have pushes of like, oh, you should go into X field because it makes more money or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever. We see it so often. Yeah. But all my friends in medicine tend to be there because they love it. Actually, mm-hmm. you worked at Butler, right? For yeah, yeah. It bit. was just a week internship, but yeah. Oh, week internship. So, yeah. did you ever hear then of uh, Doctor Sullivan? Not that I can remember. Oh, okay. it was a couple years ago. All right. But... Well, his he is uh, he's there too. Uh, his son mm-hmm. is. Uh, I was roommates with him, and now he's at the med school at Brown. Oh, so cool. he's uh, 
he's just like, he always knows his purpose to do mm-hmm. what he's doing. It seems like yeah. that's the case with you too. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. Cause I never like growing up, I didn't know what occupational therapy was. I had no idea what mm-hmm. it was until like mid high school. So I was on um, the unified basketball and volleyball team. So through special Olympics. And I saw that some of the OTs that were helping out in the special ed classrooms um, just kind of helped the students who were um, the athletes like participate in these sports and help them make sure that they're um, they have the social skills and the motor skills and all the good things that help them participate and just kind of have fun in the sport. And I was like, that's super cool. Cause I was honestly between like nursing and teaching and mm-hmm. I can't see myself as a teacher cause I hate public speaking. I can't think about making Wait, lessons. Why, why do you hate public speaking? Cause I do too. So maybe we can, you know, commiserate over mm-hmm. the difficulties, but did you have an experience that kind of scared you or see, I don't think so. Like I can't pinpoint one experience, but I just, every time I have to give a presentation, like even before t- like this, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, why do I just feel like tensing up and like anxious? Like there's no reason for it. We're just having conversation. I'm, just, I'm just so harmless. I'll wear a yeah. black shirt to seem kind of like scary and stuff, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just a teddy bear. But like even silly presentations, like in, in high school and college, like I know my stuff. So I don't know why I'm so nervous about telling people about it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just, I, I don't know. But there a the moment podcast for you? platform, it's all one-on-one, except <laughs> yeah. people maybe will listen just like how you listen to Will, and then yeah. we realize like people actually, it impacts them. But <laughs> you're like, oh, shoot, just kidding. I, I remember seventh grade, we had English class, uh, Mrs. Boynton, was that her name? Mm, that Do sounds you? familiar, yep. I don't okay. think I had her, I, but it sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that was her name. We were doing like a, a book report where everyone had, I forget exactly how it went. Everyone had their book or something and they had to give like a two paragraph summary mm-hmm. of it. And it wasn't even stand up in the front of the room. It was just like we had a, a horseshoe or like yeah horseshoe shaped desk. You stand up at your desk and just read your two paragraphs. Right. And for the first time in my life, I was like, wait, wait, what the, what is this feeling inside of me? And it's just going around the room and it's like, this person goes and the next person. And I'm like, I can count on, oh, 10 people to me, nine people. And I'm like, I, I haven't experienced this before. <laughs> I stand up and my voice is quivering. It's frightening. And I was just scarred for years. I've since gotten better. Like I took classes to get better at it. So mm-hmm. it's finally more of a comfortable thing. But right. it's so, in the past, it's been so important to have your voice, especially when it's something preaching a good message, like I yeah, think yeah. for you getting good at that skill. It's nice that we have the podcast so you can kind of do it in this way. But I think mm-hmm. on stage and stuff like that too, that would be so helpful. Yeah. Too. Like that, that's something that I would recommend mm-hmm. you working on. I want to do more. Yeah. It's just so awesome. Um, so that's my preaching there. But now you're coming to, well, you're almost finishing up, right? You almost. Yeah. December, I'll have my doctorate, which actually it sounds so much more special and I think like, I don't think it's that big of a deal because it's not like, oh, I'm a medical doctor or I have my PhD or anything. It's an OTD. So it's an occupational therapy doctorate, which is still a big deal in the OT world. But it's not like, I don't want people to call me doctor. Like that stresses me out. <laughs> but <laughs> That stresses you out? Yes. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. It just seems weird that I could be a doctor or I will be a doctor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that'll be in December um, after almost a year of extra classes that I had to take but so much school I'm so glad that (laughs) school's not well I guess you're you're kind of more like it's a lot more hands-on it's it's less 
school per se. Yeah, it's right been now. all online even before all of this craziness. Um, oh, and then, yeah, it was all online. And it's basically, I'm in the thick of the three months of clinical field work. So I'm on site every day and I'm doing interventions with people that have substance use disorder. And it's a super cool and like new experience because not a lot of OTs work in that setting. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm doing research about whether or not me implementing this living skills program that talks about habits and routines and roles and all that good stuff um, has any effect, which we'll see if it does or not. But you created the, what is it? Living skills. Yeah. Living. I call it, I calling, I'm calling it the making time for me program. So it's for women with substance use disorder. So making time in their day to focus on themselves and their recovery and figuring out things that'll help support that. So whether it's new habits or fulfilling their role as a mother or, finding a job or finding um, housing or just things that are going to help them once they're out of this setting. So once they're living on their own. So yeah, independent living skills. What I'm thinking like if I were to be in that scenario, is it a patient or like, what do you call someone you're working with? Is client. It client. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, when I saw client centered therapy, I actually got mm-hmm. into some Carl Rogers stuff a while back. I don't know if mm-hmm. you read a lot of his stuff, but I was like, how do I be a better listener and empathize and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about reading a ton of books on this, but it got kind of specific. But from their perspective, the client's perspective, mm-hmm. is it weird if you maybe haven't had, you haven't gone through the same, I don't know, if you want to say issues or kind of dilemmas. That yeah, the had. same experiences. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely different because I'm one of the younger people that work there and I don't have a substance use disorder. So I definitely have to build trust in a different way than a lot of the other people. Like a lot of the counselors and case managers are in recovery from their own substance use disorder. So they kind of have that rapport and that like, Hey, this is what happened when I went through this so they can help them through, but I don't have that experience. And so I'm kind of coming into it with a different lens of how I'm like analyzing their time and their experiences, which they might not think is credible at first, but I'm hoping that I can kind of, use what I know from school and from my other experiences to say like, Hey, this is how I've seen other people react to this kind of stuff. And this is how hopefully that this will translate into your life. So yeah, it definitely is different not having those experiences and it takes a little bit for them to get used to working with me. Yeah. I can, I can see it as there's such this, this big, well, I guess credentials help, but like this big hurdle of you're young. What do you know Mm -hmm. about my situation? Yeah. How do you, how do you get over that hurdle of just trust in whatever you're preaching is going to help? I think that you? building some kind of relationship on like a common ground really helps. So whether it's they know I'm a daughter and they have a daughter of my age or it's they've lived in Pittsburgh and, oh, I'm new. Can you sh- talk about um, things that you do around here? So it's kind of finding that commonality and the common experiences that really help build that trust and build that rapport so that they say, oh, she kind of knows her stuff like she can help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you seeing, is your day-to-day pretty similar where you're working with the... Yeah, like, I see like one or two people per day. Yeah, same women yeah. per day. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's yeah. awesome. So you get to see kind of how it plays out over what period of time roughly like? They can stay 90 days. Okay. So it's it works out pretty well with the time frame that I'm there. So I'm kind of able to see them through their stay and kind of see how it works for them and how the program itself and then what I'm doing is influencing them. So it is a really cool experience that I'm in the middle of, which I'm really thankful for. But were these mostly textbooks that taught you what you know, or were they books on the side? Like I know for me, it was tiny habits and the power of habit that mm-hmm. kind of got into my head. 
what what we're trying to do. But did you have a different approach to learning all of this, or was it just? It classroom? honestly is really instilled into the OT curriculum that I had mm-hmm. at Duquesne. It really is like there's this whole like manual about like OT practice and what we're supposed to be not what we're supposed to be doing, but how to guide our practice. And they really instill in each of our courses, whether it was like our psychosocial course or our biomechanics or whatever, how to integrate the habits and routines of people so that it has therapeutic value. So as OTs, we really use habits and roles and routines as a means for their recovery and for them getting better from an illness or whatever. So it really, there's all these different frameworks and these different um, research articles and big wigs in the OT world that talk about habits and how that can help people get out of the rut that they're in or get them to a different place. Um, But yeah, I think mostly in the classroom, I haven't done a lot of outside reading on habits. I know that that's like something you're super into right now, which I think is really cool. And I'm hoping that if you got any recommendations, I can start diving those, deeper into those it. Those two but. books. Definitely the the Power of Habit was the first one I read. Tiny mm-hmm. Habits. Uh, I think I listened to a podcast with the author. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Is it like BJ or something? Uh, whatever. But two good books there. Um, I mean, what, what do you see day to day? Like, where do most people fail at habits? Because that's what I'm curious. Because I'm able to get over it partly because I make it so easy and like mm-hmm. kind of remove any sort of friction. But where do you see people go wrong when they're trying to build these habits usually? I think that motivation is a huge part of it. So whether it's someone that, like I, I'll just use the example of having an addiction just because that's what I'm in right now. But if it's someone that has been in this same routine of using whatever drug of choice is theirs for so long, it's so hard to even say like, okay, I want to get out of this or I want to change this habit because it just – it's your daily routine. It's what you're doing. It's automatic. And getting out of that is so hard without either yourself kind of waking up or hitting rock bottom or somebody else saying, hey, I don't think this is the healthiest thing. Because habits really are just what occupy your time. And they become automatic, like something that you're doing right now. Um, And I think that the motivation behind it is really how they can be productive or how they can be harmful. So if you're not motivated to do something that'll help yourself, then it's not going to be something that you do every day. Like there's no motivation, which leads into the cue and the behavior and the reward and the rest of the sequence of how behavior works. But you don't even need to read the power habit. You you already know it all. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a case of they come to you, they realize there's a problem or does a family member uh, bring someone in? Like how, how do they find Jenny? A lot of time, well, for the women that I'm working with, they've already had like residential treatment, um, Mm -hmm. like inpatient intensive, like detox, and then kind of getting a little bit of living skills. And then they come to this setting. So it's community based. They basically, it's just like a county funded place to stay while they kind of figure themselves out. So for me right now, it's the case manager who's like my supervisor who says, oh, like when he does the intake, if they don't have pretty like good time management skills or they're life is kind of in a bunch of different pieces and kind of in shambles. He's like, okay, I'm going to direct you to Jenny and we're going to do an intake and then she's going to work with you while like during your time here. Uh, uh, I, I just feel how amazing and fulfilling that that could be just helping someone through assuming that they listen to you and trust. What, yeah. What that's a, realizing. that's a tough thing too. Like I know that what I'm telling them is rooted in evidence and what I've learned and kind of how I've seen it work for other people, but there's no guarantee that it's going to, they're going to follow through which is also tough because if there's not that motivation and that piece to say, I want to be doing this, then it's not going to work for you. 
there's oh why do i always forget the title of this book it has five uh, it's a persuasion a book on persuasion or whatever but i took a class persuasive communication which is a public speaking class mainly but it got into all these topics of how do you persuade someone to listen to you or to mm-hmm. to take action on what you're suggesting man it's really going to bug me that i don't remember <laughs> this book it's like so foundational to persuasion um well i'll think of it later but a lot of it has to do with like social proof as in mm-hmm. you see people around like you can reference like you do all these other patients that or clients that have succeeded and and done well um just a bunch of different factors but mm-hmm. i'll send you it afterward we always follow up with an email so i'll send you all, all of my books. um but but that is so i don't know it just feels like something that i would even like to do just because i've i've gotten so into this yeah is it harder to like do you approach it in that you're trying to remove bad habits or do you start with just building good and then the bad go away because you're building good that's a good question because it kind of depends on the person so say well all of the clients i'm working with now one of their bigger habits was substance use and so i know that that was something that occupied a lot of their time so i think a lot of times it's finding other ways to occupy their time so it's pursuing like different leisure interests or whether it's them getting a job or doing research on a career that they want to um, pursue or education they want to pursue in the future. So finding, I think it's mostly finding things that will occupy their time that are more constructive than using alcohol or drugs. So I think, yeah, building the better habits and making sure that they have the skills set in stone for when they leave and they are on their own, I think is a lot better because usually when they come to us, they're at the point where they've been clean for a little bit. So you don't really have to break that habit, but you're trying to, build things into their daily routine that'll occupy their time and not lead to them relapsing. Right. Yeah. I've, I've seen myself, they, I think it's the power of habit that talks about it. I think they call it a keystone habit as in like it holds the the arch of habits together. I like to think of it as domino habit mm-hmm. for me. It's, and they have studies on this. Usually exercising is the number one, like that's the foundation for mm-hmm. all these other good habits falling into place. I've seen it for myself, um, but I'm sure just, I'm not sure. if do you, do you think of like one habit is usually it leads to a lot of good things happening with people or? I feel like is that a exercise is a good one. Not really with the clients that I'm seeing now, but mm-hmm. when I was in, um, I did a rotation at like an inpatient uh, rehab unit. So people that had like had a knee replacement or had a stroke or all these different things. So we used a lot of exercise and like healthy eating and quality of life stuff to build better habits for them so that if it was preventable, what happened to them, that it wouldn't happen again, or they can just get stronger. So I think that, yeah, exercise and kind of maintaining your well-being and your mindfulness on your own self and what you need at that moment is something that a lot of people struggle with. And then once something happens to them like that, they kind of are like, oh, shoot, like I should be working on this. And that's the How motivation big- to get better. With uh, with the community, because it, it's community based, mm-hmm. how big of a factor is it to have good influences around you in terms of like, does it help to have people that are going through the same things and, and improving their situation? Or how big of a factor is that? Do you think? I think the social support and like the people that have been through what they're going through is definitely it can be both. It can be supporting if they're also committed to recovery and they're also committed to practicing these good habits. But if someone slips up and then they go back down that rabbit hole where they were before, that's obviously not a good thing. And if you're still keeping in contact with that person, then 
that could bring you down too. So I think that surrounding yourself with people that are as motivated and as driven to succeed and occupy their time with good things is super important because that'll be also your accountability, like your Mm -hmm. accountability of, okay, I'm on this road to recovery. They are too. We're going to help each other. And that's kind of like a lot of people go to AA or NA that are, Mm -hmm. um, at the facility and i think having is that and social... narcotics or what is yeah it? sorry <laughs> narcotics anonymous and alcoholics anonymous yeah gotcha. so they hold themselves accountable so if someone's not at a meeting they're like oh we should reach out to them so mm-hmm. it's really keeping everybody on the same track and making sure that they're occupying their time in a way that's health promoting for them i've found it's such a big factor because my accountability is henry who you probably heard on other podcasts if you mm-hmm. have uh will right now he's kind of using me. I'm like, Will, tag me in all your Instagram stories. And he yes, has for the last I've 15 days. I've seen that. Days. It's been good. It's been good. <laughs> are they amazing? They're, they're so awesome. And he said they right are. now, actually this morning, he's like, I'm typing my short story right now with all the stuff I've written. I'm like, oh, that's mm, awesome. Will, I love it. Nice. <laughs> we love so to see it's, it. <laughs> it's so cool. And Will was struggling because he didn't have his accountability and like people mm-hmm. around him supporting him. That's why I loved school Brown in my case, because it was just people like us that are mm-hmm. super committed to whatever drives them whatever interests them um so yeah i don't think i'd be doing this right now if i was in the like i don't want to say close-minded like or like the i don't know just there's a lot of small i don't say like small thinking but like i like to dream really big and just like Mm -hmm. whatever i want go for it and having people that are like yeah dylan do that shit Mm -hmm. i'm like okay I, i i believe it's possible so i think that's so big that's awesome that you're working there um in terms of people right now that are kind of considering habits that they want to get into is there something that you would suggest like the the first step people should take if they want to say you know be a better writer like will Mm -hmm. or some other habit i think that that really finding i'll talk about it again the passion behind it so finding what is driving you to do that and identifying it so like for will like he loved writing as a kid and he loved reading and that was like his thing and that's what occupied his time and provided meaning for him so if it's something new that you want to do you have to find like why do you want to do that is it because other people are doing it because that probably it could sustain you for a little bit but if it's just because the crowd's doing it it's probably not going to provide much meaning but really finding that inner motivation to do whatever it is you're going to do whether it's exercising to make yourself feel better or whether it's writing to let your thoughts go into the paper but just doing things that are meaningful to you and have motivation behind it, I feel like is the foundation of building a habit that'll sustain and last. I feel like it's kind of hard to, to really, you really have to think deep and, and be introspective to, to be like, Oh, why does this really matter? I I get way too, uh, what's the word when you like think about life and death and, uh, I I don't know what the word is right now, but philosophical. No. Yeah. I get philosophical. (laughs) Um, existential is what I was thinking Mm -hmm. of, but like, I I think about it a lot. I think it's hard for people to really get to the root of like what their motivations are, what they're like, I've kind of played with this question with some guests of like, Oh, at your funeral, like, what do you want people to say? Or like, what is the meaning of your life? Like, I, I don't know the best question to get people to start to think of it. Yeah. But for me, I've kind of figured it out. And I think the motivation, that inner motivation does help, especially in the beginning, to get that first, say, 10, 15 days. And then from there, I've noticed it's like the motivation at times will wane. So just making sure that you have good systems in place, like your environment is set up in the right way. It's just 
easy to succeed and not fail. Yeah, um, exactly. Different yeah, ways I think to- that the context is really big too. Like if I was trying to do something, I don't know, like when I go home for like a weekend, like it's so hard for me to like keep up with my walking routine or keep up with my schoolwork just because I'm not in the environment that supports that, which is mm. right here in my room in Pittsburgh. But I think that finding a context in an environment that supports you is super important too. Like whether it's you being at home and having the opportunity to like sit down with Will and hold him accountable or whether it's being able to just be in an environment that helps you and makes you want to continue these habits. I think that's super important. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why I like, like it's good whenever I travel or something like that, like I'm not in my, my room or my house mm-hmm. where all my habits are so ingrained. It, it just starts to like, it, it becomes so difficult to, to keep doing uh, with, and I can, I think that kind of, I'm going to start using the word dovetail, but I think that connects to, cues and stuff and you mentioned cues and then kind of like what you're doing the Mm -hmm. routine and then the reward is that the foundation like what do you have a model in your head that you use with habits or how does that go I think that the like foundation excuse me of what they what habits are is like the cue so like you said like I know when you're talking with Will like your motivation and your cue to do it is that like you post on Instagram and like I think that's good that's something that holds you accountable so I think the cue the routine and then the reward is kind of how I think about a habit so it's something that makes you think about it whether it's waking up in the morning or whether it's I don't know anything that makes you think oh I should do this then it's the routine of doing it and having that satisfying routine and then whatever the reward is whether it's eating lunch or posting on Instagram or whatever whatever it is to you that's like how the progression kind of lays out in my head yeah I I've realized I'm like, I don't know if you've ever seen dogs that are scared to go downstairs or upstairs. Oh. <laughs> I'm like that in the morning. Like, I'm not allowed to go downstairs until I do my little workout thing. So I'm always, I'll, I just, it feels really off. My mom's like, oh, I need help downstairs. Can you come? I'm like, I haven't, I haven't worked out. Like <laughs> yeah, it just kind head. of ruins your routine that and not even like that you have told anybody about, but it's just in your head. Like, it's just, I need to do these things first or else I'm not going to be able to function correctly. Like, it's like the cup of coffee for people in the morning. Like, they can't right. go without it. Or else their whole day is just a mess. <laughs> I I feel bad too because I'll, I'll eat breakfast and I listen to an audiobook or a podcast while I'm mm-hmm. eating, and my mom's like trying to talk to me, and it's kind of hard because AirPods you don't know if they're listening or not. Right. And so I'll I'll be like very shut off. I'm like, mom, th- please just let me finish this. <laughs> Once I'm done with breakfast, the routine's over. You can talk to me. I <laughs> I don't know if that's the healthiest thing to do, but it's like. I like it. So yeah, but it's the way you hold yourself accountable to do what you need to do and have that routine. And like the structure, I think is super important for a lot of people too. Yeah. What are you working on right now? Like you kind of mentioned walking habits, stuff like that. Like what, what do you want to incorporate into your life that maybe you haven't already? I think that I know this is lofty, but healthy eating is something that I completely struggle with. Like I have such a sweet tooth and I'm such a snacker and it's so bad because all of quarantine, like I've just had access to it. Like I had, I didn't leave the house much until I was on this rotation. And whenever I was hungry, I was like, okay, like I can just snack. And I think that I tried to justify it. Like, oh, I took a walk today. Like, oh, I can mm-hmm. eat this, even though it's super shitty. Like it's, it's so bad. But I think that really figuring out, like sitting down with myself and figuring out like why I want to be eating healthy. And obviously like it's to increase my quality of life or lose weight mm-hmm. or whatever it is that day. But mm-hmm figuring out um, why it's meaningful to me. And then I need to sit down with myself. And I think meal planning is something that I really want to start doing and making sure that 
even like if I didn't take anything out of the freezer today, like, oh, I'm not going to go order pizza or something like that. Like just making sure I have that structure so that I don't slip up, which is so tough because I feel like, I think you mentioned it with Will, it doesn't a habit take like a couple of weeks or a month to like ingrain in yourself or something. It's, I feel like it's a little bit arbitrary. It definitely takes, I don't know though. It usually takes a while. Like usually yeah. takes, you know, 30, 60 days, something yeah. like that. Uh, I kind of I feel like I've hacked it where I can tell within five days or so like whether it's just because I make it so easy if it's easy and I'm like looking forward to it but uh but I think a big one is environment in terms of like do you control I don't know who you buy your own groceries and stuff like that like where where did the where do the sweets come in do you have to buy them and then they're just kind of in the cupboard it's bad because if I go to the store hungry I'm just gonna throw everything (laughs) in my car and it stinks well I live with a roommate, but we both buy our own groceries. So like, I try to hold myself accountable. Like I don't want to come back with like too much food. You know what I mean? Like I try to think about it while I'm in the store about how I can make sure that I have obviously enough to eat and like I can eat my meals for the week, but also not overdo it. Mm. And I think that's kind of tough. And I think that a lot of times, like I compare myself to other people. So like, what are other people eating and what are the other people's meal plans? And like, if there's these Mm. like fitness pages I see or people I'm following on Instagram, whatever, I'm like, okay, like they're doing it. I can do it. And it works for like a week or so. And then I'm like, you know what? Like I can just buy a pack of Oreos. Like it's fine. But then that just like helps me slip up and that's not Mm. a healthy habit and that's not how you sustain it. So, I mean, I'm not practicing what I preach right now, but that's okay. My mom this morning, (laughs) I'll I'll recommend this book too. And again, I'll send them to you. They'll be in the show notes, but Mm. it's called mindless eating or mindlessly eating. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's an adverb, but it's it's so awesome and my mom was actually making fun of me this morning because part of the book is like you eat and i don't know if this applies to you but for me it does we eat big portions especially in america like all our Mm -hmm. plates are gigantic anyone in europe is like oh is that a serving platter and like no that's just my no it's just my dinner yes (laughs) (laughs) right that's my dinner plate but i i think i think one i've tried to incorporate a lot of this into my life like what they preach in that book where uh there's like very small plates use smaller plates and i even use small forks and stuff like that so that everything like it seems like a massive mound on this plate right, and my mom was yeah, like yeah. dylan that's ridiculous just put it on a big plate i'm like but look how much it looks like so <laughs> yeah because if i put it on a bigger plate it just looks like a snack like <laughs> right right and you're just gonna eat like you can even i notice it a lot like i i had a big tub of watermelon and i was watching the office and just next thing i know i finished the whole thing and i'm like i guess <laughs> I guess that's the end (laughs) but you you judge you judge when you're full based on the size of the plate and stuff like that and another good funny thing from the book is like if you're throwing a party or hosting a party not that you should right now but uh (laughs) if you want people to think that you have a lot more food instead of have a big platter with say all your popcorn or i don't know what you'd serve chicken wings or whatever just have a bunch of small platters and then swap them out uh a lot that's because people book. see the small platter and take less. Yeah. So I would recommend that book if that's something you're working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the one area like I'm stronger, but I still have a pretty decent gut for where it should be right now. Yeah. Not that it's bad, but like I want it to be better. Mm-hmm. So I'm working. I think we're both kind of trying to eliminate some bad. Yeah, and I also stuff. try to like I <clears throat> I should be holding myself more accountable, but I am also blaming quarantine on all of my bad eating habits, which is not fair. But I'm quarantine like an old <clears throat> person <throat> yelling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely tricky. Um, 
when you're i think when you get out of the house like whenever i'm out like say whatever playing tennis or just walking around doing something your mind doesn't think about food but when it's like right there in your apartment it's just down the hallway i'm like oh my gosh like it's so accessible and that's what i think trips me up and that's when i'm like okay like i can just i can just walk into the kitchen it's right it's fine (laughs) that's why i think being able to really master habits is just so foundational to everything like Mm -hmm. i don't think people spend enough time on breaking down the science of habits and and granted we're still working on it like we have our struggles and maybe that's something you can tell your clients too is hey i'm not perfect like i'm Mm -hmm. I'm suggesting what the science says it's worked well in the past with myself and others but i still have the same troubles but it's so foundational but few people like thinking about their purpose Mm -hmm. don't think about habits nearly enough i don't think yeah i feel like we try to occupy our time with like everything else except for thinking about like how we're functioning so like everyone's trying to like see what other people are doing and trying to figure out how the world is working right now but really like introspectively thinking about what's meaningful to you i think is super important for building habits and building the routine that will help you be successful ah i hope whoever is listening maybe it's one person maybe it's two uh maybe more than that but i hope you just kind of put more time into thinking about one, like, what is your purpose? Clearly, it seems like you're you're happy with what you're doing right now. I'd be excited to do what you're doing. More time into habits. Is there anything else that people, maybe our age or beyond listening, should know that we haven't touched on or like? I think that a lot of figuring out who I was and how I could work on myself in order to help other people was really stepping out of my comfort zone. Like, mm-hmm. I was applying to schools all in New England in high school. And then Duquesne, I have no idea how it popped up <laughs> on my radar. Like I remember going to the guidance office and what's his name? Mr. Pinch. He was like, <laughs> he had, he had no idea what Duquesne was. Like they'd never heard of it and no one really? had ever applied there. Yeah. He had no idea. So I was like, Oh, like, should I even be applying? And then when I got in, I came to visit like on the way coming to Pittsburgh, I remember my mom being like, why are we even making this nine hour drive? Like you're never going to come out here. And then me and my parents, like we all fell in love with it. And I think that having the space and the opportunity to branch out of my comfort zone mm. and leave our little town our really helped me. <laughs> How <laughs> really? crazy. I always come back. I was only in Providence. Like I didn't make it very far, <laughs> Yeah, but that's its own separate bubble, but it's, it's more diverse. Oh, it really is. Just, yeah. Like it's so crazy. And it's kind of funny coming back and seeing like, I picture it like Narragansett is like 1950s America and <laughs> Brown was like just, 2020 or yeah. 2040 like technically mm-hmm. it's always it's wild the and like yeah coming back is so weird just because i've had these experiences where i've been able to see other parts of the world and how other people think so i think that taking risks Wait, where have and, you where have you gone just like okay, I, not many was it places. The, well <laughs> just you went to dominican was it dominican yeah in high i went to um in high school i went to the dominican republic i went to jamaica a couple times um i've been to europe through high school and then just through a school trip but oh true Italy, yeah right? just yeah italy <laughs> um but yeah just seeing how other people live and what's meaningful to them and mm. being able to take that risk to do that i think is so important like i when i come home like i don't i mean no slack on people that stayed in their cancer but like i could not do that i could mm. not be there for the past five years and still be able to like maybe be sane i mean if that was what happened and like that's how my life went obviously i would have adjusted but having this experience like i know that there's a lot more out there than what we were exposed to in high school so i think it's super important for people to take that risk that was i remember the first 
like just coming into school, I wasn't used to international kids like studying next to people mm-hmm. and like everyone around me, it felt like they knew two, three languages and they were all speaking in other languages. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I just got like a, a certificate from school or like I was one of the speakers for Spanish, but I didn't know right. Spanish at all. Yeah, like, no. Couldn't actually speak it, but I knew the grammar. <laughs> it was It's hilarious how, how just closed off we are. So I encourage that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Really get out. Henry and I were talking about how like my mom, for example, she's whenever we're like, oh, we're going to China or we're going to Colombia or something mm-hmm. like that. She's like, oh, be careful. I heard on the news X, Y, Z. Like, mom, it's you get there. And like, as long as you have some sort of common sense, mm-hmm. you're not going to get in trouble. No, Granted, yeah, we don't fine. have common sense. Oh, my God. Ah, there's so many stories that <laughs> bad stories. But like, even then we do a lot of bad things and it still doesn't come back to bite us. Mm-hmm. Um, knock on wood, I guess. But <laughs> Uh, I think it is important to expand your your worldview that helps you with your purpose, motivation, everything. Yeah, because the more experiences that you have that are outside of your norm, I think that helps you find the meaning that a lot of people our age are looking for. And I feel like that's a tough thing to do. But being able to break out of your comfort zone in the little bubble that you might be in, whether it's Narragansett or anywhere, um, and finding what's meaningful to you will really help you succeed and do what you want to be doing in the future. always ending on a good note jenny this is so much fun i want to do it again in the future and we can after you read mindlessly eating then we'll we'll come back see if we can you know talk about that any other Mm -hmm. uh, developments as you go to graduate officially dr dyer wow i don't i'm I'm not gonna make you cringe like that but (laughs) awesome any anywhere you want people to find you or any plugs that you want to i mean hey i have instagram it's j-e-n-n-i E-E-D-Y-E-R, I believe. And I know that you already, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, I know you already mentioned my website. I mean, that's like my professional website. You're not going to find any crazy things on there. But yeah, anyway, you want to connect with me. Well, your contact info is there too. So they can, if they're into this stuff, they're like, Jenny, can you help with this one habit I've been struggling with? Mm -hmm. Hit Jenny up. I will try my best. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Jenny, we'll talk soon. I'm glad to catch up. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Dylan. See ya. Bye.